Welcome to the Path of Passion podcast, where we hear from people who are pursuing lives they are passionate about. I'm your host, Tyler, and this is my fantastic co-host. Hi, I'm Jordan. And today, we're hearing from our friend, Jared, about his journey from behind a desk on Wall Street to behind a bar slinging drinks. So uh, without further ado, Jared, if you want to tell us how you uh, pivoted to uh, the world of alcohol. Well, that uh, that is um, that's that's a bit of a journey for sure. Um, thank you for having me. It means a lot to um, you know be seated in the same virtual room as as, as both of you, um, as we've certainly enjoyed many many occasions of of uh, you know sharing space in our bars in the past. Um, I don't know where 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 do you want me to start. Well, so what led you from throwing away a cushy job on Wall Street to uh, becoming a bartender? What? How did you even find out about it in the first place? Yeah, you know, um, the, the running joke I always have is, um, you know, that they ask me how I became a bartender, right? And, it's, and I say it's because I drank too much in college, right? Which is true. But probably not the reason <laughs> why I really made that shift. But like any good uh, studious MIT student where I was doing my undergraduate studies, um, you know, when you get interested in something, you need to find out everything. You need to know it all. You need to go down the rabbit hole, right? Tyler, you know what I'm talking about. Actually, no, both of you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I was um, going to say, I think, what have, have I taken six years of uh, bartending classes from you? So <laughs> Something like that, right? And that's with yeah. skipping a year because of the pandemic. So Yeah. Well, you, you guys are advanced enough that I think you would have skipped the grade anyhow. So, um, but you know, that's, that's where I, that's how I got interested in all this. Um, and, you know, how do you learn? right you learn by you learn by reading you learn by watching and listening um but you know you also you also learn by by doing right so my roommate and i at the time who were very much interested in all things cocktails and liquor and all that jazz um started building a small collection of things and and making you know very rudimentary cocktails and trying to follow the recipes out of some of the books that we had purchased and, you know, wondering why some drinks tasted really good and other drinks tasted really bad and why our shaker tin kept leaking and our wire hands were so cold. And so you made stuff like a rum and toke, right? We, yeah. Well, right. You know, um, <laughs> we, we started funnily enough with gin and tonics, um, right. We, my roommate and I, we were also assholes, right? So we were like, um, <laughs> I guess the sort of quintessential like hipster mentality, right? Of like, oh, if we're going to get into this, we need to like, we need to pick the thing that no one else likes and we'll like do that. We'll force ourselves to like that, right? And that was gin. Right? I was going to say, didn't you at one point have like a entire handle of gin with like a splash of tonic in the freezer? <laughs> Yo, well, right. So we 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 went down this like gin this gin rabbit hole, right? Because everyone was like, "Oh, like let's like take whiskey shots or let's drink tequila," right? But no one was like, "Oh, give me the gin," right? So we were like, "Okay, gin is it. If no one likes gin, we're gonna like gin." So we bought some gin, 
and we thought it was really tough to consume. <laughs> and, and, you so know, good. Yeah, right. But then also like that hipster mentality, right? We're also super stuffed, right? So we were like, all right, we're going to figure this out. So we started drinking a lot of gin and tonics, right? Um, gin and tonics have the added benefit in college of um, the tonic glows under black light, right? So you're like, it's an instant conversation piece in college, right? So you, you want to have... Right, so you, you know, you replace want... the lighting in all of your, in your apartment with only black yeah. lights. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and thankfully where the, the fraternity that I was in when I was an undergrad um, had a big black light party every year, right? So it was just, it was, it was such a natural thing for us. And we were like, oh, this is great. Um, and we started, you know, it's, it, it's interesting. You, you have your first sip of gin and you're like, wow, that is really like aggressive and terrible and tastes like pine trees and whatnot. But then you have your second, you have some with tonic. There's like the sweetness and the bitterness and all this stuff starts to come into focus. And all of a sudden, um, it's it's remarkably pleasant and, frankly, pretty interesting, right? Yeah. And you know, we made we made a lot of silly cocktails. Um, we yes, we made martinis. Um, and you know, we were told by the folks that I guess we we looked up to at the time or whatnot. You know, martinis is like just the right proportion of gin to vermouth. Right, but you don't want to use too much vermouth, and like you could actually use a really tiny bit, and it'll make it even better. And you want your martini to be like really cold, so we, not considering dilution or anything, you know, we took like a shot of gin out of a bottle and we refilled it with vermouth, <laughs> and we put so it in the good. freezer. And we put it in the freezer, right? So this is like straight, like essentially it's eighty proof frozen liquor, right? Yeah. And it'd be like, oh, it's like martini night, so we're gonna pour and fill like a big old martini glass with this this frozen liquor and it's so cold right you can't really like you 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 can taste it, it, it it's harsh but it, you know you can't really appreciate any of the flavors um except you for really... the fact that you, you'd have like one of them and you'd be trashed right because <laughs> it's essentially like you're pouring like six or seven ounces of just 80 proof spirit into a glass and like being all fancy with your martini right because we, we had no idea what we were doing um so, um, you know, we, we, we did that to start, right? And we had gin, we had tonic, and we had, you know, a little bit of vermouth to make martinis. We didn't know anything about vermouth. It was weird. It tasted funny on its own. Um, and we slowly, like, accumulated lots of different gins. And this is where it all sort of started, right? Eventually, you get to the point where you know, after a year of drinking gin and tonics or martinis or whatnot, you're like, there's got to be something else, right? Like, you know, we got to, we got to figure this out. And so we learned about a cocktail called an aviation, mm -hmm. which, 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 which is a gin cocktail, right? But it had a couple ingredients that we didn't know about, right? There was maraschino liqueur and there was creme de violette. And we said, well, um, we should go find that stuff, right? This is 2009, 2010. Um, and Creme de Violette had just come back into market, I think. And Maraschino liqueur um, was not something that you could like readily find um, in most places. So we ended up going to a wine shop. I think it's still downtown called Bricks. Um, it, at the time, it was very new, very fun and exciting. They had a lot of like weird wines and like esoteric spirits and liqueurs and stuff they were like the off the beaten path place like the one place in town you could get like 
So it was like the hipster liquor store for the hipsters, right? Oh, totally. It, it was great. And, and it was, it was fantastically expensive. And, um, my roommate and I split, we, we each bought a bottle of, we, we bought one bottle of Maraschino liqueur, one bottle of creme de violette. And, uh, we split the cost. I think it was $80. So for each, it was $40 each, which was like, damn for an undergrad. Yeah. For a college student, we were just like, all right, that that's it for the month. Right. It's just ramen here on out. Um, <laughs> but we got home and we made the aviation and it was like revelatory. It was like, so interesting and different but it was still like it was gin right but it was it was totally turned this whole world upside down for us and then like the assholes we were every bar we went to from there on out and we did not go to like nice bars right um so the great because the hawk was the hawthorne even around then or? no 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 not at all it, it was a it was a nightclub called the foundation lounge um if you were looking to like get in trouble and do probably some of the <laughs> then you would go there but no one really went there um but like, yeah we'd go to like the you know just like college bars right and we go up to the you know all our friends are drinking beers or like yeah rum and cokes or you know like whiskey ginger this and that and we'd ask like the bartender like can you make us an aviation and they'd look at us like <laughs> we had like three heads and we were just like oh man like no one knows this drink but it's this thing we saw in a book and it's really cool and it wasn't until we my roommate and I actually had dinner at uh, Craigie on Main, um, the restaurant oh, yeah. that, I, yeah, yeah. that I eventually worked at. And and we, now you work at a good. I do, yeah. Um, we sat down, and I remember this clear as day. We were sitting at this banquet in the corner, and the server approaches us, and you know, it's super kind. Her name is Inez, and you know, she asked if there was something, you know, anything we could bring us to drink. Right? We're like two, like I was just, I just turned twenty-one, right? So I was like, definitely not. I mean, I look like a kid. I still look like a kid. Um, <laughs> and uh, I said, you know, can I have an aviation, right? At this point, I've done this like probably 30 times, right? And I, I, I'm already prepared for the response, but I want to ask anyways. And instead, what I get is she just goes, um, just goes, oh, yeah, sure, an aviation, great. And, uh, and for you? And I was like dumbfounded. I was like, you know what it is? This is incredible. <laughs> and the drink shows up and it's so much better than whatever it is that we were making back home. Um, and it was just, I was just like blown away. And so I started going to Craigie probably once a week, um, maybe once every couple of weeks or so, um, in much the same way that I, I, I saw a lot of myself in you guys when you guys would come by the Hawthorne and just trying like, all of the different things and starting to branch out and understanding that there's more to this world than just, you know, just gin. Um, so gin became gin, maraschino liqueur and violette. When you had maraschino liqueur, then you could like make other cocktails with that. So we bought, um, we bought a little bit of whiskey and we bought some tequila and we started like, you know, you start drinking different things and Craigie, the bartenders there were really, I mean, kind and were willing to like have these conversations with us right um no that's yeah. fair i mean that's kind of why i think i myself you know started going to the craigie back when you were originally there the first time and then the hawthorne when you were there was you and then uh rob and the rest of the staff were always like super kind willing to teach us new things and take us on fun adventures like right. ice carving <laughs> yeah i mean th things that things that kind of stuck stuck with me for sure but um 
you know, one, one thing leads to another and we have, you know, we've done a lot, we've learned a lot. We, we've consumed a lot of different things. We've read a lot of things. We had like made a lot of drinks. We thought we knew a thing or two about it, right? But what was the, like, the, what was the last piece of the puzzle, right? I never actually worked behind a bar or at a restaurant for that matter. And seeing it from the guest perspective, you know, I thought it looked very cool. It was just a very, um, it just seemed so effortless and like just fun. And you were like talking to people all night and you were being social. And um, it just seemed like, it seemed like a cool thing to do. And it was the last piece of the puzzle, the thing that I didn't know about yet, right? So MIT, right? I want to know all, I want to know all of it. I want all, I, like I want everything. So yep, yep. the last, last piece of the puzzle was um, let's work behind a bar. Right. So I applied to um, a few places and obviously nobody called me back because I had no business working as a bartender. Right. Except um, Eastern Standard um, took my bartender application and I don't know what they saw in my resume or cover letter or whatnot. But their bar manager, Jackson, who I worked with for many years, um, called me back and said, you know, hey, we're looking for a bar back for baseball season coming up. Right. Um, would you be interested? And I said, well, sure. I don't know what that is, but yeah, like it, it's an interview. I'm going to come talk to you. And we had an interview and he asked me like how to make some cocktails and I didn't know how to make anything he was talking about. And it was like, well, I except in aviation, right? <laughs> well, yeah, he didn't ask me about that. He was like, you know, he was like, he was talking to me, you know, about like drinks and stuff. And he was like, see, do you know how to make a Negroni? And I was like, I don't know what's in that. And he's like, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, okay. And I was like, I am doing so poorly right now. Um, but they gave me a shot. They gave me a shot. And this is, even though I had no experience, um, even though I had already, you know, known that I'm going to work at this bank in, in July, because this is the, my, the beginning of my, uh, the second semester of my senior year, right? It's like February. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, I've got like six months, like I'm, I can't stay longer than that. And most places would never hire someone, especially a place like that for that short of a, um, a term, but for whatever reason, they said yes, <laughs> and I um, and I bar back there like two to three nights a week for the rest of that semester, um, and it um, absolutely kicked my ass. <laughs> but I learned more in those four or five months um, than I, I did in the entire like couple, two or three years leading up to that point, um, and that was just watching, listening hearing the conversations, watching the bottles get pulled, actually touching that product at the end of the night when you're, you know, restocking things or refilling syrups or making some of the stuff. Like it was very, um, it was really cool and an experience that I'll never forget. Um, it was also really hard. It was really hard. Um, what was so hard about it? Um, I mean, you're talking about a bar that seats um, uh, 22 people, right? that completely fills up um, five people deep during baseball games um, that are making um, nice, right? Nice cocktails at a very high volume, but also serving like a bunch of beer and a bunch of food and a bunch of this and that. And so there's a lot to do. And so my shifts at the time were somewhere in the range of like 12 to 13 hours long. Um, you're on your feet the entire time and probably like, 75% of that time, you're like almost running. 
um, Damn. where whatever it is you're doing in the moment, you already know the next three or four things that you need to do. Like your to-do list, like just keeps getting like longer and you're just trying to like check things off as you go. And it just, ne you never actually catch up until the end of the night. Right. Uh, so you're, it's basically the, as the list gets deeper, the bar's getting deeper and you're trying mm -hmm. to race. Yeah, exactly. You're like, yeah, you're like, you're trying to be just a little bit in front of the crowd, right? And just a little bit in front of the bartenders because you need to make sure they have what they need to then um, uh, serve serve our guests, right? But it was it was so much fun, and there was a camaraderie, and you felt like you were really part of a team, and it was it was just it, it was really fun, and I did not I did not want to stop doing it when the time came for me to move, but. I accepted this job at a bank. All right, it was a place that I'd interned for before. Like a good computer science student, I sold out to high finance. Um, <laughs> right? It, it's what you're supposed to do. Um, and like a lot of my friends before me, um, you major in computer science, you sell out to high finance, you make a boatload of money in a very short amount of time, and then you retire early. It seems so easy. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but you know, I, I, I had, you know, I'd signed on the dotted line. You know, there was a nice signing bonus. There's relocation. There's all that stuff. It was a life in New York City, which was exciting. Um, and so, as much as I didn't want to say goodbye to the bar world, I said, okay, I gotta like put this to bed for now. And I went to go work at the bank. Right. So then, I mean, New York City, right, is like the mecca of cocktails and stuff like that. So while you're at the bank in New York, I assume you're. Were you are you moonlighting again or just going out and getting drinks or I was just going out and getting drinks, right? I mean, it, it is really funny how um, you know, I was making like like investment bank salary, which I guess now is a little different, but back then was like it was pretty good. Um, especially for someone who's like just out of college. It was like kind of stupid. Um and <laughs> um I I came out of that first year with nothing to show for it because we went out like all the time, right? It's New York City. You're like 22, right? What are you gonna do? We went to bars constantly. Um, we went to we went to dive bars, we went to nice bars, we went to clubs, we went to all these different places, and we got to see a lot of different things. But because I had worked in that restaurant, Eastern Standard, it was a totally different experience now going out because the curtain had been pulled back. I could see things happening that I didn't notice before. I understood the dynamics of how some of these places worked. And Can you was, give some examples? Yeah, I mean, like, right, I was talking about how, like, the, the bar just seemed so effortless and just so fun and, like, kind of straightforward. But I could I could see where the stress points were. I could I saw the expression on other staff members' faces. I could see the, how the number of people in a space would affect how um, the, the bar staff would operate. And, and, and it, it led me to, to frequent some places that, much like Craigie, would, like, humor my constant questions and conversations and, and whatnot. So a bar that was very important to my time in New York City was a bar called the Pegu Club. Uh, the Pegu Club that the Pegu Club drink was named after. Well, no, that club was in, um, in, in uh, what was then Burma, but now is modern day Myanmar, um, was a British officers club in the, okay, 19, okay. In, in, in the early 1900s. And this bar, was an early cocktail bar in the New York City scene that was named after that sort of era as it sort of evoked that. Now, 
they served a great pegu club there for sure but they served a lot of great drinks and um had a, a really just tender bar staff that 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 humored me and i went there every monday i got out of work maybe half an hour earlier than i probably should have and i took the train <laughs> down to Houston street and i walked three blocks and sat at that bar for probably three hours um had one too many drinks and then made my way home um and and again that was the sort of thing where i learned a lot there right but I got about six months in and I was starting to get a little itchy, right? Um, my roommate and I, he was at Brown Medical School. He came down, we threw cocktail parties at our tiny little apartment in New York City. Um, we got to make drinks. We loved making drinks. I was constantly experimenting at home, um, making whatever we could. And we come to, um, finally, uh, I sort of needed to bite the bullet. I was like, I gotta, I gotta work in the bar again. I really need to, right? But I, I was on this path with this investment bank, right? Like, I'm like, I'm going down a different road. So how, how is this going to work, right? So I started working weekends at a cocktail bar okay. in, at a cocktail bar near where I live in the East Village, a little bar called Elsa. And they, they, I started as a host. They needed someone to host, which really was like, I had a note, I had a, like a notepad and pen in one hand, like figuring out who's going to sit down next in the tables and stuff. And then on the other hand, I had a beer because you just drank while you worked. It was weird. Um, <laughs> okay. Was that everyone or just the host? <laughs> it was, it was everyone. It was crazy. Um, and um, one thing leads to another, like they knew that I had like bar back before, but I mean, obviously it doesn't mean anything, but I was a host. And then one day, like their bar back called out sick. Right. So I like, I, I was like, I can do that. And they were like, Oh really? They're like, great. Like do it. Um, and then same thing happened and I was like serving a little bit. And then one day, uh, the bar manager's, um, bar manager's dog passed away. Like, but his, like his, his dog, when he was like a, a kid, right. So this is back at his home, which is somewhere on the other side of the country. So he had to leave and they were going into a busy weekend and they, they gave me a chance to, to make drinks off the station. Right. Um, and just like work a night. I already knew all the recipes. I already knew all the stuff. Right. Um, and so I got to bartend and I ended up doing that for about another six months or so um, before I sort of woke up one morning, right? Um, it was a Tuesday. And I thought about like, I was in the shower, like getting ready um, before I go to the bank, right? I was, usually got to the office by about 7.30 or eight. Um, and I was thinking about how I wasn't looking forward to work at all that day. But what I was looking forward to was Friday. When I would do the same thing, I go to the bank, 8, 7 30 8 o'clock a.m work an entire day and then go from there straight to the bar and work a closing shift that ended at four in the morning we didn't get home until six. Oh, brutal oh, that's i was like looking a, forward 14 I, hour shift <laughs> i was looking forward to staying up for like 22 hours straight right because that part was just so electrifying and energizing and i thought to myself like so if i like if, if i'm excited about that Right. Um, what am I doing? Right. I should make the thing that I'm excited about my actual job. And maybe I can do this other thing on the side. Right. Be a night banker and bartender the day. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, however, you can't really be a part time investment banker. That just doesn't really, that doesn't right, really work. Yeah. <laughs> so I put my notice in. And I, I, I did it without giving it too, too much thought. 
um, because I knew that if the more I thought about it, the more I would talk myself out of it because it was the, it was the crazy idea, right? It was the, um, yeah, it's a pipe dream. Like everyone thinks right. about doing it and very few people actually do it. Well, yeah, How because you're, you're, because you're, you're gonna... on a, cause you're on a safe path, right? Very I mean, safe. It, the the work was not interesting it, it was not um like n none of it was really that fun it was very dry and again like the place i was working um you know they employed 125,000 people around the world at that point in time so you you didn't matter right, right? you were you, a like, very small cog in a ginormous in a machine in a huge machine right and and that was very different for me you know coming from a a relatively small school like MIT and coming from a, a fairly small town in California where I was born and raised. Um, so it just felt different. Right. But then like you're part of this bar team, that's like seven or eight people. You're like a little, you know, tight little squad, you know, what everyone likes and dislikes, you know, their stories, you understand them. Um, and you work in close proximity with them. Um, you know, for a long period of time. So it, it, it was just, it was really electrifying. So I decided to give up the safe path. Um, looking back, I probably should have stayed for four years to let my 401k fully vest and then, <laughs> and then get out of there. Right. But I was also like, I was yep. 20, I was 23. Right. So I didn't know any better. I was like, I got to get out of here. Um, so I put my notice in um, and Oh, sure. um, how, how did your coworkers and boss respond? My boss, um, who I'm still in contact with, her name is Elaine. She's um, a wonderful, wonderful human. Um, you know, sort of supported me through that. She knew I was interested in that sort of thing. She, I mean, she was, she was kind of like over the hump of the banking world or whatnot. She was there because obviously, like, she was good at what she did. Um, she was so she getting... wasn't just there to wait for her 401k to invest then? No, I mean, she had, <laughs> she had, she had been in the industry for probably a couple decades at this point. Um, and, you know, but she like, I mean, she was comfortable where she was. She was making a ton of money, right? And, and, and a lot of people in that industry, right, you make your money so that you can go afford to do the things you want to do, like on the weekends, or afford the nice place that you want to live in, or go on those vacations that to far off places, right? Um, so as a bartender you know, that was certainly going to be different. Um, and, um, you know, she, she really supported my decision to do that and, and sort of help, help me navigate that. Now, the rest of my coworkers were like, what in God's name are you doing? Like, <laughs> you have got, like, you have got to be kidding me. Like, you're going to leave this to go like be a bartender like bartender, like the, um, like the sort of derisive, like, oh, you're just going to be like someone you're going to serve other people, you know? Yeah. Instead I mean, of like, yeah. Kind of the idea that like, they're, they're, you know, they're not really respecting it as a craft. They're just mm -hmm. saying like someone who, right. They're treating like someone who just pours a glass of water when it's so much more than that. Well, and like, when you think about the, like the kind of places that we would go, like as, you know, investment bankers or whatever, after work, like the local Irish pub or whatever, it's just people like just slinging like the simple stuff and just, you're just, you're a facilitator of someone else's good time. Right. Which is true. Um, and, you know, I said, well, you know, this is something I really want to do. And at the time, right. I was thinking to myself, I'm, I'm still young. I'm going to do this. I'm going to scratch the itch. I'm going to get tired of it at some point. Maybe it'll be a year, maybe it'll be two years. And then I can just like, I can go back to what I'm doing. 
it's fine. Like I'm going to be able to find a job. I can be a software developer or, you know, go back to banking or whatnot. Right. Yeah. But I knew that if I didn't do it, I would always have that. What if, right? Yeah. I feel that. Right. You would always think to yourself like, ah, what if I, what if I did that? And if I was like the age I'm at now, like in my mid thirties, like sitting at a desk at a bank with a very comfortable job and a family and kids, right? Like there's no, like, I'm going to quit my job and go be a bartender. Like that doesn't, that works even less than, than it does when you're like 23 and stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um, and then, I mean, really my, my return to Boston was um, part practical and, 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 and part sort of happenstance. I, I was, the, the thought was that I was going to go back to MIT to get my MEng, um, my, my fifth year master's degree in computer science, which I had qualified for, but couldn't take because I had already accepted this job. So I was going to do that. And then I'd, I'd bartend on the side and I called Eastern standard and I said, Hey, you know, do you need a bar back? I can, I can come back with you guys and I want to like learn and whatnot. And they said, sure, that sounds great. Um, then, um, I don't know if, if you all know, Ann Hunter, um, Oh yeah. Yeah. I know in, her. In, in, yeah, in I've her. Um, you know, she got in touch and she said, Hey, um, just so you're aware, we're really excited to have you back. Um, uh, just so you know, like the funding deadline has passed. So you're going to have to like, you're going to either have to pay for this out of pocket or take loans for it or whatever. And I was like, Haha, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, I am going to, I'm going to defer for one more year, which was the maximum amount of time you could defer was two years. And I'm just going to bartend. <clears throat> I'm going to take that part-time job and make it a full-time job. Um, was that like, did you, so were you already back in Boston then when you decided it was going to be full-time or did you? I was, I was like about to move back. Um, okay. It was still, um, I was still like a little ways out. I think it was like a couple weeks away when I found that out and I was like, ah, crap. But I'd already like signed a lease in a place. Like I was already making the moves back there. I couldn't turn back at that point. Um, and so I was like, well, I guess, I guess I'm going to do this thing and be full time. So I came back to do some scouting and I went to Craigie and I mentioned to their bar manager at the time that, you know, oh, I'm going, coming back. Um, you know, my grad school plans fell through. So I'm just like, I'm going to work full time at Eastern standard or whatnot. And I got a call that night that said, Hey, we're looking for a bartender. Would you be interested? And both a great decision and a bad decision. I called Eastern standard and I was like, Hey, remember all those, those plans we talked about? Uh, I'm not going to do that. Um, instead, I'm going to go work at Craigie on Main, um, you know, because they were offering me a bartender gig, right? And that's what yeah, I wanted yeah, yeah. to do. And I ended up at Craigie full time. Um, and I had, it was scary and it was very hard at first, but it was so fulfilling um, to work at a place that sold amazing products, um, that had a community of guests that really supported what the place was doing and supported the people that worked there. Um, and a year in, and I got that call from Ann Hunter saying, or not call, but an email saying like, Hey, it's, it's, it's time you need to, here's the registration. Here's how you apply for funding and the TA ship and all that stuff. And I said, you know, I, I don't, I don't think I want to stop. Right. Yeah. And it was, I mean, basically it was that point where I really, that's when I put my prior world sort of behind like i'd been kind of like hanging on to that little bit all this time like i always needed that fail safe or something right and 
that was the moment where I, I realized that like, there really isn't, it, 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 it will now be exponentially harder to go back than before. So I said goodbye to grad school and I decided to bartend full time. Um, that made sense. Um, so a, a quick question. Um, so you don't need to give exact numbers, but for the people who are curious about what the like financial difference is, from going from banking to bartending, just like proportionally, what was the difference in what you were making? Well, I mean, starting, um, you know, we were in the in the vicinity of like, like we were very close to to six figures, like starting right at the bank, which is bananas for um, anyone our age. Like that's just an irresponsible amount of money to give a kid. Um, <laughs> that's why you could spend it every Monday going to a bar. I know, right? And it didn't. Uh, yeah, man, I could have built up so much savings, but I just, I really was. But uh, no, I mean, may, maybe irresponsible is the wrong word because it really defined, like, you know, my career from from that point on. So, in some sense, I think I did spend it wisely. I invested it in my, um, in my future. Um, I just didn't know what my future was at the time, um, and my expectation was that I I would become a full time bartender and I would make like less than half of what I was making before, right? And turns out um, when you work at like a nice fine dining restaurant with with people who, you know, understand what's going on and they tip well and they, you know, and they buy a lot of food and nice wine and cocktails and things like that, it really wasn't that bad. I mean, I was probably clearing 60 to 70K um, overall wow. with like your hourly plus your tips um in that 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 first year that i that i worked now that work is a lot harder you're on your feet for 10 11 12 hours a day you're you're doing a lot of manual work um it is not just sit at a desk for eight hours and then clock out right so um you know from an like a how much you get paid by the hour so to speak it is a big difference um but you know the thing i liked about it was that it was very much like the harder you work, the more you work, the more money you make, right? If I needed, like if I knew that I had a trip coming up, for example, I would pick up a couple extra shifts, right? You, you work a couple weeks where instead of four or five days, you're working five or six days. And you kind of like grind yourself down a little bit, but then you get that paycheck and each each extra day you worked was an extra day's worth of money, right? Yeah, and then you basically could... got an extra day of vacation, right. basically. Yeah. Yeah. And and so, but just to have that level of control, right? Like I like I dictated that to to a certain degree, right? Yeah. If I wanted yeah, yeah. to work more, then I, I could and I would make more money. If if I needed to take a break, I could find people to cover my shift. And then I would know that by doing that, it would cost me a certain amount of money, right? So you could be strategic about it. Um, and I liked that that very sort of direct connection, right? Same thing in in an individual night, right? If you serve more people, if you were able to bring more people into your bar, then you would make more money, right? So how do you bring people in here? You make them have a memorable experience, right? Um, then they'll either come back or they'll come back and bring their friends or they'll tell someone that will come in. Um, and so it became more than just uh, learn how to make all the cocktails, right? I started really kind of veering away from that and really understanding that 
um, you know, bartending is not serving drinks, right? Bartending is serving people. It's overall just hospitality. Exactly. Um, we, we deliver experiences and the drinks certainly help deliver a great experience. Um, and you know, so I was at Craigie for almost five years. I was a bartender and I moved my way up to, um, the beverage director of, 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 of the company, which involved wine, beer, spirits, um, basically anything liquid, um, <laughs> and, and was both, I mean, a great amount of responsibility, but also great learning experience um, in an environment that was very supportive of um, people who wanted to educate themselves and learn and be better every day. Um, so cool. it was it was a great place to start. Yeah, I mean, like like you said, the, the you got a um, an aviation, I think it was, um, or um, originally at the Craigie. So it's kind of like full circle. You end up back the place that served you that memorable experience back then. It was it was really weird to think about that kind of that all of these places informed like where I was going to go in my career and that I was able to make those places then be a part of that journey too um, was was really meaningful. And I'm just, you know, eternally thankful to those places for giving me a shot um, in the first place, um, because none of this would have happened if I had not gotten that call back from. Eastern Standard. Yeah. I would have just been the local cocktail nerd, um, I guess, that probably went to bars and talked too much. Um, so and... basically me. <laughs> <laughs> no. You ask good questions. I didn't know what the hell I was talking about when I was when I was when I was doing that. I would just parrot stuff out of the books I was reading and things like that. But um but yeah, it it's it's weird to think about now that you, you know like I, I i'm far enough away from all that where i'm i'm like i'm like i'm like everyone else in this industry now right i've, I've been a bartender for like 10 years right um it, it you know when i was very new at this it was always like the oh like he's doing this thing he was you know an investment bank or like he was like he's he's, <laughs> he's like an mit grad or this and that now it doesn't really matter anymore. Um, what matters is, you know, how we've worked at the places that I've been to, you know, cultivate um, an amazing staff um, to, you know, make an impact on these people's lives um, and to really like relate to our guests in a way um, that you may not get at most every bar. Um, and and that's what ends up defining us, um, as opposed to like where you went to school or what you studied or what you're doing before, right? Some people are like, oh, I was like going to be an artist or I was going to be like an actor or whatever, and you fall into this thing and you end up loving it, right? And that's where a lot of us um, sort of share that same experience. It's just that we all came from very different places, but we we fell into this for all the same reasons. I mean, that's, that's fair. I mean, I, I've always like, I mean, having, and now Jordan's been doing it too, been going to like the cocktail classes you and everyone have offered at the Craigie and the Hawthorne. Like it's, it, and there's like tons of bars in Boston and for, I have not seen many of them because we keep coming back because we have such a good time and 
we know everyone and we like to be around not just um you you guys serving us drinks but like as friends like i like hearing about your guys days and everything now it's right. it's interesting to hear about like what cocktails are being experimented on and various aspects yeah i i didn't realize you know at first that like um you know going to bars and whatnot that i would ever be like friends with these people that were serving me right it seems so strange because growing up like we would go to a restaurant i mean it'd be like an olive garden or like a I mean, like, honestly, a nice night out was like a Long John Silver's, right? Um, and, it, you know, there, the things are entirely transactional, right? I order this, you give me that, I give you money, and we go on our merry way, right? Um, but, you know, here I was having, like, real conversation. It wasn't just like, like, oh, what do you want to drink? But it's like, oh, like, you know, like, what did, like, where, where, where are you from? Oh, that's crazy. Like, and then there's some story or, you know, weird connection and this and that. And you end up getting to know these people. And, you know, it's the same thing that 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 you guys probably experienced where a after a while, it, it's not that like, oh, I want to go to this place. It's like, oh, I want to see these people or like, I want to go say hi to whatnot, right? We do it all the time because our friends, right, work in other bars. And so when I go see my friends, right, I might go to a bar that one of my friends is working at. That I can sit at their bar and we can just, you know, have that little mild chatter while 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 they're moving back and forth, and they'll do the same thing to us. Um, and it's it's pretty neat. Um, but that that familiarity is is really, I mean, one big, um, just really sort of positive part of this industry is that it really is like a community of people with a shared interest. Yeah, actually, a, a few weeks ago, we went to, I believe, Drink, yeah. and we met some people. I I had a few too many drinks, so I don't remember their names, but the, <laughs> they knew they knew the people at the Hawthorne. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's the yeah. thing is like we, you know, we we love our friends at Drink. They come to our bar. They used to come to our bar all the time. We would I mean, we just I mean, we were all over the city and Boston is interesting because it is a big city in many respects but when it comes to the restaurant and bar industry here in town it's very tight-knit um and especially when you consider like the places that are kind of more of that like cocktail angle right the hawthorns the drinks the the craigies of the world you know we all kind of ran in the same circle um whereas in new york city it was a little different i mean we knew Pretty much everyone that worked at all the bars and restaurants like on our block or like the couple of blocks around us but like you know new york's huge right somebody else could be a new york city bartender and you would have i mean you you wouldn't meet them for your entire career potentially you know um so it was it, it was a very different experience um and i mean one that i really appreciate and why i i, I love being in the city no, that's fair. I remember, um, like when Amanda was um going off to do something new, like we all went to a bunch of different, you know, that that bar crawl starting out the Hawthorne, um, afterwards, and just like actually just seeing all the people you guys knew was absolutely insane. It was like every bar, like oh hi Amanda, like <laughs> like so. Well, I mean, partly because we 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 would only go to the places where we would know people too. So it is so like, it's, like, it's like it's like a little self-selecting, right? But um you know we're not we're not celebrities by any stretch you know it's just that these are our friends right but in most other industries 
right? You can't really do that, right? If you're like a teacher, you don't like go to other teachers' classrooms, right? Um, it like it just like that that analogy doesn't hold. But here we are as working bartenders going to other like our friends' places of work to hang out, right? Um, it's not something that exists in like just about any other industry, and it yeah, makes I it feel like if you were in banking and you went to a different bank. And we're just yeah. like hanging out with your friends, you'd be kicked out. Yeah, like, they would what like, are you they doing like taking a, your information? Like yeah. yeah, they would like arrest you, right? <laughs> exactly. Whereas here, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to the bar down the street because like Joe's working and like I haven't seen him in a couple of weeks and I want to say hi. And you get a drink. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Guaranteed good time. Because, right, it's but also like, like, it's also not just um, getting the drink, but you also, it's your friend hosting you and like, right, it's basically like having dinner parties almost every time you go to see your friends. Kind of right, yeah, and 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 it and it's interesting because I mean we all because then we all take turns, right? Because I'm gonna go to that I'm 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 gonna go to to um to Uni now to go see Amanda, and then she'll come and see me at Craigie, and then I'll go see John at Six West, and John will come, and you know we all kind of go back and forth, so it's not like, you know, one person is doing all of the work, and everyone else is having a good time, but you're gonna take turns essentially, right? Um, and then every now and then there's the the rare opportunity where like you can go out together, right? And go see, yeah. you know, you like like three or four of you go out to to someone's place, um, or to maybe a new a new spot. Um and it's it's just really, really cool. Um and then as I mean, at the if we talk about career progression, like as my um <clears throat> as I've sort of grown in, in, in this role and 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 the city and been able to sort of take some opportunities to um, sort of branch my network out beyond the city. Um, you know, I've had the, the pleasure of, of, of teaching um, and, and mentoring other bartenders um, across the country. Um, and, you know, now if you're, if I'm going to another city, there, there are people I know who I consider friends, um, people, some people whom I, I talk with more on a daily basis than I do like my friends around here. That's um, awesome. I have bars to go to. I have places to stay. I have, um, it's, 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 it's a whole community of people that are like looking out for looking out for each other. Um, the, the one anecdote that I'll share is when I was, I was flying to Guadalajara, um, to visit, um, the, the tequila making region. Right. Yep. Um, and you know, for the it's United Airlines, right? The the flight was canceled or some, some, something happened. <laughs> That's typically United. It's always like we have mechanical failure. It's your job to fix the plane. Like right, yeah, exactly. And and so we, I, I was, I, I missed my connection, and I was going to be stranded in Houston um, overnight, right? And they give you like the BS like hotel voucher, or like the five dollar coupon to the food court or whatever, and it's like this is useless. Um, to Long John Silver's. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? No, oh, yeah, taste taste of home. Um, and I I just I pulled out my phone when we landed, and I called a friend of mine uh, who works at a bar called Anvil in the city, or worked at Anvil at the time. And I said, you know, hey, uh, um, Alex, um, are you are you working tonight? I'm 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 gonna be inadvertently in your hood. Um, so I wanted to like come out and get a drink and he was like, what? He's like, you're here. He's like, what's going on? I was like, oh, my flight was canceled and I'm going to have to like, you know, like figure that out and we'll fly out in the morning. He's like, dude, he's like, don't get a hotel. He's like, stay with me. He's like, here, um, take an Uber to this address, um, come in and, uh, you know, you, you can come, come, come sit at the bar. I'm, I'm closing up and then we'll, um, 
and then we'll like go out and like have like have some drinks and I'll, and I'll show you around and i show up to this bar he has a drink waiting for me he has food waiting for me the kitchen was already closed but he got food God so damn. That, i knew i needed something to eat he closed up his station and then we headed out and he took me to like three or four different bars to like meet his friends in the city. And then we went back to his place and I had a, a couch to crash on, um, an espresso in the morning and a ride back to the, to the airport. Right. Um, and like, that doesn't happen in a yeah, lot of like, other industries. That sounds like something you would see in like, like a sitcom, like, you know, you're able to crash and you happen to know people, but like right. for it to, be an occurrence that happens in regular life especially just through people you've met through your job not through like hobbies yeah. like that's incredible right so like that's what keeps us that's what keeps us going you know um it's and especially over the over the course of this past you know year and a half um it's that community um both of the guests who come in and support us and then the other bartenders who may be dispersed far and wide, but we all, right, we, we share a common set of skills. Um, and in, in some sense, like, it is a little interchangeable. Um, as a bartender, you, you have a highly mobile skill set, right? You can work just about anywhere in the world. It's the same tools. It's the same set of motions, right? But the people are different. Um, the, the the culture might be different so it, it it becomes a really interesting way um and i've seen a lot of young bartenders do this now where they'll take two years and they'll just move to a different city and they'll they'll just work you know if they they grew up in kansas city and they go uh great i'm gonna go to portland oregon for a couple of years and just like see what's up right they have marketable skills right they yeah. can they can do the work right bartending is pouring right i've, I've, I've told you this, it's pouring liquids from one container to another container <laughs> you're, you're just you're you're pouring from one container to another for 12 hours and then you and then you and then you clean a bunch of sticky stuff and then you're done right um but then they get to learn from the people that are coming in from the other bartenders they're working with they get to see a different city they have time off um and it, it becomes a really interesting way to 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 see the world um well, I mean, you also kind of inadvertently did that by bartending in New York for basically six months before coming back to Boston. Right. And I still, I mean, I still keep in touch with some of that New York bar family, even though it was a very, it was a very small slice of time in the grand scheme of that career. Um, but they're, they're connections that, that you make that last, um, that last a really long time, um, which is, which is, which is really cool. Yeah. I, I don't. I really don't think that kind of thing happens in other industries. Um, I think like you, what, like the, 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 the conference circuit, I think in, in some industries, yeah, right. Yeah, you, like, yeah, no, that's you, fair. you go to, you go to conferences to like network and that's where you make some of those connections. Right. It can't, like, yeah, yeah, no. I don't, but, like, I mean, I don't okay. know. Like as someone who's, who goes to conferences, yeah. part of my job, like, uh -huh. All the friends I have from my conferences are people I've taken to hotel bars. <laughs> like after and I even like not even during the actual conference. Like, sure. like who you hang out afterwards. So like Right, right. But but like I mean, I but I don't know how many like I, I don't have intel into that that those those sorts of industries, but you know, I, I can't think of many industries where like, oh, you make these these like professional connections at these these conferences, but like if you're flying into like another town or something like you're not going to like call them up and be like, Hey, let's like hang out. Like, let's go get drinks. Like <laughs> no, they're going to be like, yeah, no, right. I'm working. <laughs> like, like, what are you talking about? Um, 
So I mean, maybe I'm I'm overgeneralizing, and 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 I and I know that there are I mean, there, there's a lot of um, those sort of global connections that certainly happen, especially in like the LinkedIn era that we're in now. But yep, yep, yep. with with the bar world, it's it's just it's so effortless. It's really cool, um, and it, it's really something that has kept me very energized and excited about the world that we exist in, um, even through its challenges and whatnot. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you've mentioned as a bartender, you've been a bartender, you've taught classes, and those are part of the things that have been in your, and you've also had to go to Mexico to actually like visit the tequila distilleries. Um, so what is the breadth of what you can do if you go into the bar industry? What are the opportunities? What's the trajectory? Is there a trajectory? Yeah, I mean, there, there are now. There, there weren't really for a long time. I mean, I think for a while, you either, you, you would bartend because you wanted to open your own place at one point in time. But what that kind of place was, was very simple and straightforward. I'm talking about like the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. There wasn't really this idea of like these bespoke cocktails or, you know, like a lot of the book study that goes into learning about some of these places. Um, those didn't exist. Um, yeah, because I think the closest thing you've mentioned to that a long time ago was um, just like the tiki movement. Like, you know, lots of people were opening their own tiki bars, but then right. it seemed to kind of go away for a while. I mean, there there are certainly trends now and, and, and whatnot. But if, if we think about um, now, right, um, there's a number of things you can do. Um, for a lot of bartenders, they bartend until they reach a certain age and they realize like um, it, it's, it's, it's physical work. It starts to wear on you. Right. Um, I, I know a lot of bartenders yeah. that have like shoulder problems and, and things like that. And, you know, maybe, maybe they move into management, right. Okay. Managing, managing a bar, managing a restaurant, managing a restaurant group. Right. Um, maybe that leads you to ownership or opening your own place. Um for some people like myself, I don't really have much interest in all of the other sort of overhead that comes with owning a business, right? Um, you could um, work for a brand, right? So I've, I've dabbled a little bit in that. Um, right. Has that been through like your stuff with Portaleza then? or Exactly. So they work with bartenders to help lead their trips down to Mexico, right? Whereas we, we are the bartenders, right? We can speak that language. But we also know the area now, having been down, I've been down 15 or 16 times um, to like help acclimate some of these folks who have never been maybe even out of the country before to understand right, yeah. where their spirits come from, why they taste the way they do, what makes them so interesting. Um, and so the luxury of travel is really incredible. I wouldn't have been able to go to some of the places that I've been if it wasn't for the for the line of work that I'm in now. Um and um, and then you can translate that into full-time brand work if you wanted. I know some of my friends now work full-time for um, Tanqueray Gin or Maker's Mark or right now, and, and they, they do a very different sort of work there, but they're still getting to engage with the community that they sort of grew up with, right? Um, so that's that's a different angle, right? And then others um, will, 
you know, some will bartend forever. And that's great. Um, some will move into consulting um, where you get to work on lots of different projects. So there are some folks, um, even some people here in Boston that will be, you'll basically see them at like every single restaurant opening, right? They will offer their, their services, right? Um, and they'll help a restaurant get off the ground. It's a very specific set of skills. Um, and they'll work there for, you know, three, four, five, maybe six months, and then they'll move on to the next opening, right? No hard feelings, no like, you know, angry exit or anything like that, but just like a, hey, I'm gonna help you like get this train like moving in a certain direction, and then I'm gonna excuse myself and go work on another project. Right, it's like people who like the, you know, a lot, some people like to be in the corporate world, but there's others that like to be in startups. And as yeah, soon as a exactly. startup, you know, grows big enough, it's not a startup, and you right. just move on. Yeah, and you're like, cool, like I, like I, I, I push this ball up the hill to a certain point, and I feel good about that, and I'm gonna go like help somebody else, right? Um, and and there's there 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 are folks like like that too. Um, one of my good friends in Baltimore, um, they have opened, I think it's like 13 bars in the last three years. Or something like that. Wow. Um, I assume it's been... more like thirteen. The last two, like I assume a lot of bars well, didn't right. open the last yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, fair. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's like, um, there's there's definitely a lot um, of, of different avenues now. Um, even when I started in 2010, it was kind of starting to like, you know, working for brands was kind of like a thing that they were starting to invest in. And like bartending long-term was seen a little bit more as like a, an actual career. Um, but there were still a lot of, I mean, there were a lot of questions I got at that point in time of like the, like, so what are you actually going to do? You know, right now that question doesn't, doesn't really come up all that much. If you're a bartender now, people are like, oh, like, you know, like, what do you want to do in the, in the bar world, right? It becomes like actually a question about your own career trajectory within this world and not like a, you're doing this for, you know, to make ends meet while you look for your next acting gig or so you finish grad school or so you, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, make that professional sports team or something, right? Um, <laughs> No, that's that's fair. I think there will be um. I don't know if I. I always run into the problem. I like too many things at once. Like I definitely see another realm where I would have gone more into. Like I wouldn't have gone to grad school and just like you know, start, like start as a bar back at the Hawthorne or something and just transitioned over. I think. I mean, probably because like you know I just now you know back five years ago like you were saying more um the career paths weren't as well-defined. Like it's much more right. clear now about how, yeah, the different trajectories, like you were saying. People actually now will, will get into bartending with the specific intention of getting somewhere in, 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 in that industry. And I, I can't say that was, that was very true even a decade ago. Really? Um, so like they would want to become brand managers or? Yeah. Some, some folks have like, oh, like I want to work for this brand, but I need to understand like the bartending space first. Right. Or they majored in, maybe they majored in marketing um, and they're going to get a job with um, a company that works with, 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 um, with, with liquor, but, but who is your audience, right? Your audience is going to be bartenders. So if you can't speak that language, then you're not going to be very effective. Because your 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 competition is going to have that experience, so so maybe 
Maybe you bartend for a year or two, right? To gain some of that relevant experience before you move into that. Some people want to start their own liquor company or their own craft beer brand or, or whatever it might be. So they're going to work in places that they might end up selling to, um, you know, while they build the capital or the, or find the investors or build their business plan. Um, and they're going to bartend or they're going to serve or they're going to do whatever so that they can understand the audience that they're going to be communicating with someday. Right. I mean, that makes sense. It's really hard to sell your product if you have no idea like what people are interested in, right? And, and, I've, think... and I've seen that I've seen that too, right? You're like rich, rich person starts a liquor company because they think it'd be a fun project and they have no idea how to sell it into places, right? Um, and that's where, and that's sometimes where the consultants come in. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, the folks that take the time to understand the, the community and understand the language and, 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 and understand, you know, how that world works, find themselves a lot more successful when, when push comes to shove, when they actually, when they actually get moving. Right. Sure. No, that's fair. I definitely, it's been interesting, like, you know, taking a bunch of the classes through the Hawthorne and also just seeing over the last five, six years about how, uh, when there's like, um, industry events, like, you know, Redbreast comes down and like, is talking about um, their whiskey, like how their the way they describe stuff over time has changed. I remember, um, you know, there's been a lot more um, push towards like quality and stuff like that in the more recent years. Whereas, you know, I think in when back before cocktails were really reemerging again, it was a lot of people were like, well, if you can get drunk on anything, why, why would you necessarily have a cocktail if it's going to be $12? And now people are saying like, well, you know, why would I, now people are more interested in like, what is the ideal vodka for this choice or this ideal gin? It's definitely like changed a lot, I think. Yeah, the, the language has, has definitely changed, right? Um, when I started, people were interested in like where their food was coming from, right? They would be like, right, oh, yeah. like, you know, the, the, the name of the farm or like, you know, where, like, was this, is this organic? Was this, you know, fair trade or free range or, or, or whatever, right? And now, we're seeing the same conversation starting to happen um, with, 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 or not starting to happen, but happening with, with the drinks, right? Why are yeah. you using this particular gin? Why, why did you shake it and not stir it? Like, how come, you know, how, how, how come you measure this, but you didn't that, or like, you know, what, what is this liqueur? I don't know what it is, but I want to under, you know, I want to understand it. So um, seeing, the, the the sort of guest universe starting to come along for the ride too that's incredibly validating for us right because we spend a lot of time learning all this stuff for like our own edification like there was you would you would know all this stuff and then you you wouldn't be able to communicate it because no one cared right um, <laughs> that's why that's why like i have a lot of respect for the folks that i mean like my mentors and the, the people that came before me because they were really operating and doing a lot of this stuff that we do today at a time when nobody gave a crap. Yeah. Right. Um, when Eastern Standard opened in 2005, um, I remember the Jackson was telling me like, you know, he was talking about like when he was interviewing for the bar manager position there, like he was going to do this like bespoke Manhattan service and like craft cocktails and this and that. And and Garrett, the 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 owner, right at, at the time, he was like, "Look, man, he's like, we're around the corner from Fenway Park. I need the beer to be cold. 
that's like <laughs> oh man yeah like the, the really rest different. of that i mean doesn't like what like what does it matter right and it turns out it, it it did matter um but it's because the audience right is changing too um and now i mean even at the hawthorne right you would see like those those pre-game days where um you know a a family with like a bunch of Red Sox jerseys and stuff would come in and like order like fancy cocktails before the game because they wanted to like have that experience, be able to have a conversation, not have a bunch of people crammed into one space, and then they're going to go to the game. Um, well, yeah, and also, right, you know, I, yeah, I'd much rather go before the game and like be sober and enjoy the drinks I'm having and then get, you know, trashed on $9 beers and <laughs> especially if the Red Sox are losing, right? So. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So it, it it's it's just it, it it's really interesting, um, and I don't know how it's gonna. You know, they, we we talk a lot about like trends, right? And like, oh, what's gonna happen in the next ten years? Like, we don't know. Um, right. Yeah. You know, COVID is gonna make its mark for sure on how bars and restaurants operate, and I wonder, you know, what impact, what long term impact it's gonna have on you know that sort of relationship between guests and bartenders and how the bartending community operates and whatnot. It's definitely going to be different. Um, we don't, we don't really know how. Do you feel like there's going to be more home bartending, like more delivered drinks, more just making drinks at home or. I mean, there was definitely some interest in that. I mean, um, I personally, I, I taught like 20 or 30 cocktail classes um, over the course of the, the of the, of the pandemic, um, you know, to varying sizes of groups and things like that, of like teaching you how to make cocktails at home. Um, there were lots of bars that did cocktails to go. Uh, there were bars that sold you the components to certain cocktails that you could recreate them at home, right? Um, cocktail books and the recipe guides and those beautiful coffee table style books and whatnot are, you know, people collect those and they look really nice and they've got a lot of good recipes in them. Um, and I know a lot of folks that are home, you know, home bartenders that, that do that sort of stuff. Um, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm staring at a couple right now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then, right. well, yeah. And then now Lauren, my, my girlfriend is doing with the charcuterie board. So now. Yeah. Oh, that is, a, that is a perfect pairing. Look at you. Yeah. <laughs> that's see, that's smart. Um, <laughs> um, I'm like, I'm like maybe 20% kidding. Um, <laughs> the, um, um, you know, so there, there is that interest, but at the same time, like you, you don't go, you don't go to a bar because like you want to like drink these things, right? You go to a bar because you're with friends, you're on a date, you are wanting to see that bartender. You want to, you want to have that experience, right? Because if you just needed the drink, it is so much more cost effective to drink at home, right? Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah. So if that were the reason why bars existed, no one would go to bars. They would go to the liquor store, they'd buy a bottle of whatever, and they'd go home and they'd drink it. Right. But you you go to bars because it's more than just the drink, it's the experience around it, right? Um, yeah, I mean, like, and even during the pandemic, like I would sometimes get cocktails to go and it wasn't because like I wanted a cheap drink. It was because I missed going to bars and seeing everyone and yeah. talking to people and being like, this is something new. This is exciting. And 
I, I, I was and, sad. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and that was like the closest thing to it, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and certainly you were supporting those businesses and that was amazing. And, and, and that meant a lot to the people that were making those drinks for sure. Um, it didn't feel good for us either to like, you know, instead of serving people, we were serving little plastic containers or, you know, glass vials and stuff. Um, that's not what we set out to do. Um, and so, um, you know, that, 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 that's the next closest thing. So now that we're back, you know, open largely, people are coming back out to bars because they're not, because they, they want to be in that environment. They want to, they want to feel the, 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 they want to, they want to smell it. They want to see it, you know, like, hear the music and the clinking of the glassware and the conversations and whatnot it's all part of that i'd like yeah. to hope that after this past year of not being able to to go out people have a better appreciation of the hospitality industry in general because there there is so much more to it as you've been saying than just getting the food like i i can make some of the meals and drinks that i have when i go out but it's you aren't just going out uh, unless you're going to Long John Silver's. You're not just <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're generally not just going out for the food. You're going out for the experience. Like like in the Boston's North End, yeah. you are going out there for the Italian food experience and the culture and the environment. And they're in general with a lot of the service with most of the service industry, the hospitality industry really. It's mm. it's about having an experience that you can't get at home. Right. Yeah, and I mean, like, I like, I don't want to discount like the the folks that are working in 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 places like that by any stretch. I mean, they are they're doing work that is arguably a lot harder than than, than right. what we do. Right, right. Um, and you know, there there is certainly something to be said about that. But yeah, like in terms of the the actual experience, like when you're thinking about a fast food joint, like it is really like a, hey, how are you? What can I get you? I order these things. Out it comes, and that's like the end of your relationship, right? Um, uh, you know, whereas like at a bar or a restaurant, right, you may be sitting down for like an extended period of time, right? A place that serves you a tasting menu, you're going to visit that table 10, 11, 12 times, right? If you don't have a conversation with them at some point, it's weird, right? Yeah. Um, as like a cocktail bartender, right, at a place like Craigie or a place like the Hawthorne, it's not just like you sit down at the bar and the bartender says like, what do you want? And you say what you want, and then they give you the drink and then they ignore you. It's, it's that that would be weird it'd be right? really weird yeah 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 and and we we try to train that uncomfortability in, in, into the new staff right so that they understand that like oh if this person didn't want to talk to me they they would be sitting at a table yeah yeah right? i mean like or, whenever i go out now, i mean like whenever laura and i go out if i had a preference i would always set the bar it's yeah. just entertaining and i it's like yeah, you're you're still with the obviously the person you're with going out, but you know there's always, you know, conversations slow or whatever, or mm. or you or you can find out about the food and drink you're having, and you you're meeting someone new or visiting basically an old friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't mean to diss on places like Long John Silver. I, no, I, I no, more no. meant I more meant that like it. That's not the type of place where you have conversations with right. the staff. There there isn't that same level of interpersonal engagement that you yeah. have there it, like I, I i can't think of any time i went to a mcdonald's and then after i got my burger i talked to the waiter for like five ten minutes about 
there's very it's just a different culture at exactly. least in yeah, in fast definitely. food versus a, a few other dining places De definitely true and 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 those 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 environments i mean are are um it is interesting to see how they will evolve and change um as we come out of this right um for some places it seems to be like back to business as usual and i think for other places there's really a lot of thought happening as to um how do we operate in a in a new world right uh, yeah no it's fair i mean the whole wage shortage thing is it's it's hard you know fast food is a really hard industry and you know it's that's grueling labor and people are finally beginning to wake up and realizing that you know you have to pay more for for that whereas like you know at least with um you know bartending and hospitality you do get yes i mean you're on your feet and that's hard hard work too but you do get that those interpersonal relationships that make it worth it um so on a completely different note Fun. um earlier you mentioned shaken and stirred yeah. and something that <clears throat> when i was fir the first i ever heard of cocktails in general was from 007 james bond Sure. Where he had him martini shaken, not stirred. So, what a, as someone who's been bartending for quite a while now, what is your take on that famous drink? I mean, Bond Bond has a a particular way that he likes to have his martini, right? And it is a drink that historically, you know, has always been highly customized to the particular drinker's preference. How much vermouth do you want to use? <laughs> What kind of gin? How do you want it served? What kind of garnish do you want? Lot, lots of different ways to slice it, right? And um, um, in this case, right, um, the author wants to paint a picture, right? Um, Ian Fleming, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah thank you. Um, and that's how you paint a picture, not by some guy going up to a bar and saying, I'd like a martini, please. Right. But they're going to say like the, the way that he wants it says something about it. Right. Um, I think it's, I think it's a great drink. Um, I think it's great the way that he ordered it. I think a, a more historically traditional martini with a lot more vermouth in it that's stirred to keep that sort of velvety crystal clear texture um, is great too. Um, you shake something because you want it really cold. You shake something because you like those little air bubbles that help lift some of the aromatics out. Um, you like the little ice chips that float on top of the glass. Um, the preference, right? Um, you know, now we would we would never train someone to do. If somebody just sat down and ordered a martini at the Hawthorne, that's not what we would make. But every now and then, someone would say, like, I want a martini. I want it extra cold. Um, I want it you know can you shake it so i get the little ice chips right um and ways yeah to... i mean i remember from the uh the classes that you taught like i remember one of the first things you had us do was make a martini both ways shaken and stirred and as much as um you know in, ge in general i i do prefer the traditional stirred martini but when it's 90 degrees outside it is really refreshing to have a shaken <laughs> it martini it is right yeah. exactly so there and again it's a time and place right depending on where you are and depending on where you are in the night. And, you know, there, there's, there's any number of things that, that might be appealing or not. So I don't think there's always like, there is no like magic bullet drink, right? 
a drink is going to be highly tailored to not just a particular person, but a particular person in a particular place at a particular time, right? Um, with a particular history behind them that's going to inform whatever it is they're going to drink right then. So um, like a handle of uh, gin with a splash, one-on-one shot of vermouth. Yeah, right. That was, a, <laughs> that was generally a poor idea anytime we pulled that bottle out. Um, but uh, it was informative. It was, yeah. it was informative. That's fair. So I guess... Um... So I guess a question I have now is how do you how do you feel with um everything reopening up is like has the energy been brought back like you know people is it um approaching to what it was like before the pandemic right now or oh we're 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 still very much in in a in a stage of in a stage of growth again I mean people are starting to venture back out um you know people are excited to be back out which is awesome so the energy is certainly there um it's not the same um you know, we are not open indoors yet. Um, we're just taking just a little bit of extra time to just make sure that we feel comfortable with everything. Um, and certainly there's still a lot of question marks in the air too um, about how this is all gonna progress. Um, we think we're in a better place now than we were a year ago for sure. Right, um, yeah. And, you know, we're excited that folks are starting to, you know, feel comfortable, not just going out because they wanna like, support these places that are going out because they want to go out and they feel good about it um, and not scared or apprehensive or unsure, but they're confidently saying like, yes, I want to dine with you. I want to sit at your bar. I want to, I want to go out and have drinks. And, and, and that's, that's great. Um, so, um, you know, we're, we're seeing that transition back for sure. Um, but I don't think that it's going to go, like all the way back to like, we're not going to wind the clock back to February of 2020. Right, sure, yeah. Um, but we're going to end up at some other place that's going to be like, okay, this is this is great, right? And we're going to move forward from there. No, that's totally fair. So I guess looking back a bit on your career, what have been some of the highlights and lowlights? Like, you've told me some of the highlights of the community. <laughs> right. Um, but what do you think in general the most memorable points were both positive and negative? I mean, the, 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 the community is definitely like the, the biggest positive of this. And it's the part that I think I, you know, a long time ago, I probably expected the least, right? Because I like came into this because I was really interested in the drinks, right? I was really into the cocktails and the ingredients and the process and all that crap, right? Um, and as it turns out, the thing that's really kept me in this is the community, right? So that, I mean, that, that is like a, the big overarching high point. If we're thinking about like specific instances, right? Like it's, um, it's, it's being in Mexico, watching someone who's never been out of the country before. Uh, some people who this is their first plane trip ever, um, drinking tequila in the place that it's made smelling the smells that they smell and seeing the things that they see and watching that go through their head and percolate right um it is um being in it is being in the background of probably a million like birthday cake photos um because <laughs> right? you like you like serve a cake to someone's birthday right in the stone room in, at the Hawthorne at our private event space and 
you know, what do they do? You bring the cake out and everyone sings and the lights are down. And then, you know, mom or boyfriend or girlfriend or wife or husband or whatever pulls the camera out and you're like, uh, here's your cake. And you're just in the background of this photo of all of these strangers photos that I'm sure are like floating around on Facebook or, you know, on a wall somewhere. And you're just, you're there, right. But you're part of all of these different celebrations and experiences. And that's, um, you know, certainly a highlight. And then, you know, on a selfish level, the travel is a highlight. Um, oh, that's very fair. I like traveling for conferences for free. So I definitely understand that. <laughs> yeah. But like for us, like, um, you know, it's going to Mexico three times a year. It's um, I taught at Portland cocktail week. I, um, uh, a, a rum company sent a bunch of us down to Martinique for nine days. Um, uh, stuff like that is wild. Right. Um, and things like standing on a sandbar um, in like waist deep water in the middle of the ocean. Like we, we had to take a boat, like a catamaran off Martinique, like an hour to get to the sandbar. Land is very far away. And we're standing in waist deep water um, that's completely clear. And we're eating like some kind of fried seafood thing. And we're thinking to ourselves like, what the hell? Way better than what I travel for. <laughs> I was like, we're, we're, bar we're bartenders and we're, experiencing this thing right and we realize that it helps us then like you know we get to tell that story it, the, the 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 spirits themselves are sort of an encapsulation of an experience right and that's what we want to do with the with the tequila trips that's what what brands want to do when they send people places um and you know those are all highlights right um, on the flip side, right, this is not an easy job or an easy profession, right? right. Um, not getting enough sleep, um, uh, drinking a little too much um, is, is certainly um, a slippery slope for a lot of folks. And this industry does not pay enough attention um, to that front, right? Um, which, is, which is tough. Um, it's something that we're working on something that I think that we are getting better at. And certainly over the course of this pandemic, it's been, um, there's been a lot of attention turned towards that, both your physical health and your mental health, right? Um, yeah. But, you know, there are, we've watched people who are near and dear to us, um, uh, you know, succumb to this lifestyle to a certain degree. And that that is, um, it is upsetting and depressing and um, hard to stomach. Um, you know, so there are, there. Th this is not like all roses and ponies um, as much as we'd like it to be. Um, but it is, it, it's a, it's a tough world. Um, thankfully, there is a community of folks, right, that care deeply about each other, whether they're in the same town or not. Right. And that, yeah. um, you know, is, uh, you know, one of the most powerful antidotes to that, right? It's just that sometimes it's not enough. Yeah. Yeah. That's rough. Well, so I guess, um, yeah, that's, that's deep. I mean, I, I remember, I mean, having the right thesis during this pandemic, I probably drank a little bit more than I probably should have. So. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I guess, 
in terms of um so like there's these highs and the lows and i guess what about like the day-to-day though is there like what you know is there i guess is there i'm sure there's like calmer weeks or you know more exciting weeks like or like you know you were mentioning when uh red sox games for example mm-hmm. there'd be a rush of people so what about that well i mean like you know like obviously there are busy nights there are slow nights and and those can make you feel a certain way if if, if you're not feeling a hundred percent and you have like a, a very busy night that can be hard to to get through right there are other nights where um you're feeling great and energized and and and, and you want to go and then you have like a slow night at the bar right yeah and you're just like ah like and it just it 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 doesn't feel good right when your energy is out of sync you know with what's sort of happening around you um you know those in the grand scheme of things are not really like a huge deal but they can they can affect you right um and you know it's just about like recognizing and trying to like align yourself um you know heading heading into those shifts knowing that you're walking into a busy shift you're like i gotta amp myself up like i gotta really like like get moving um, sometimes that's coffee. Sometimes that's, you know, running around the block once. Sometimes that's just getting sort of that mental preparation. Um, and then other nights, you know, <clears throat> there's ways that we try to like, we stay busy. If we know it's going to be slow. It's like, okay, what big project are we going to do? Right. What, what thing that we feel like we don't have time for? Like, let's create a new cocktail. Let's make a new infusion. Let's yep. find a way to use this. And then all of a sudden our time is spent um, you know, we're taking great care of the few guests that are in the space, but then we are, we're, we're producing something and there's some satisfaction that comes out of that too. That's fair. That's cool. Like, what was it the one time at the Craigie you and Rob ordered, was it like you were to make crates of oranges or peaches or whatever, and you had to make like tons of oh, shrubs? Was, like... Oh my God, it was peaches. Oh, it was so many people. Well, we got, we, like, I don't know. Our chef was like, you know, oh, do you want some, do you want some peaches? And we said, sure. And he was like, how many do you want? And, you know, I don't know. When I was growing up, you know, the little boxes of peaches, I was like a couple, couple boxes, right? It's probably going to be enough. We'll make some infusion out of it or something, right? And a box, right, for a restaurant is like a 40-pound a box of peaches. So we got <laughs> two of those. And they were really nice peaches. They were really expensive because they were like from some farm. And um, he was like, well, you can't we can't waste these we were like ah crap so we spent like an entire day peeling and slicing 80 pounds of peaches and we made um i i think we made what was it we we made 40 gallons of peach shrub um which is peaches sugar and uh and this was apple cider vinegar and it was like in this enormous container and we like mixed the whole thing together because we needed a way to preserve it right and we um we had that and we made a great drink out of it and that drink lasted us like a year because we had <laughs> we had so much of this we had so much of the shrub you know um so uh you, you know th- those sorts of situations are just like there's they're they're so interesting but you feel so good about like you're like oh i found a solution like there's a problem and i found a solution right um if there's one thing that mit teaches you it's that like no problem is insurmountable, right? Um, All you need is a lack of sleep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> when you're trying to think about like, 
what was it was that was mit it's like uh, uh social life grades and sleep you can only pick two yep right something like that i mean to in, in some sense like the, the bartending world is like kind of the same way right like you there's so much like happening around you that you're like oh my god i, I gotta get to all this stuff um and i think that's where like um um that's that's where i think it can be a slippery slope for some folks right um so uh but yeah like the satisfaction of of the creative end of it right when used judiciously i think it can be really powerful um if that's all that you're doing um you know then you lack the like the the, the empathy to your guests and being able to like you know serve a hospitality experience but there are moments where that can come in handy and like in your cases too like with teaching the classes and stuff it's about like bringing some of those people in into that community a little bit too right we, we yeah. wanted to really take like kind of bring you guys like behind the curtain a little bit when we taught some of those classes right trying to like show you a little bit about what we do um and when and why we think it matters yeah actually along those lines so i know what what helped me learn more about the space and become more passionate about it but from your perspective what's the best way for someone to get started if they're in at all interested in becoming a bartender what would you recommend for them to get started i mean i would say like there's um there's like a handful of ways that you can get started in this industry now right um there are certainly lots of different types of bars that you can work at um i think becoming a barback somewhere and sort of learning and working your way up is is a very smart but sometimes a bit sort of longer term way to go about it i mean that's how i started um you can take like a bartending course and try to gain some knowledge there and then you know a lot of those really set you up for success like working in nightclubs or, or working in sort of higher volume establishments that are maybe a little bit simpler in terms of what they serve um but that sort of apprenticeship model of like find a place you like get your foot in the door if you're hosting if you're serving if you're barbacking whatever being in that environment will teach you a lot um there's only so much you can really learn from the books those can teach you everything you need to know about particular spirits and cocktail technique and this and that, but they won't teach you anything about like how to be a great bartender. Yeah. You right. won't get any of that. Uh, you won't get any of the social aspect. Mm -hmm. You won't get any of the, I mean, you'll have some creativity, but like, you know, sure. my person, I have a large personal bar and I have what, maybe a 10th of what like the Hawthorne has or the Craigie has. So like, I'll never, at least not like if for my with my home setup be able to get to like the creativity um that's offered from actually at being on the floor with people right exactly so um being able to to to, to do it is like the really Im Im important piece um and is the and is the thing that i think is, is is really important and for folks that that want to get into this profession um doing the doing the hard work of it first really understand like what this is going to take um the folks that get into bartending like the way that i did like interested in the in the stuff right the 
cocktails, the ingredients, the techniques and whatnot, you realize that that's a very small piece of the, of the entire job, right? You're looking after people. That's a huge piece of it. You're right. doing a lot. You're doing a lot of cleaning, like lots <laughs> of cleaning. there's so much cleaning. It's crazy. Right. Um, and there are some folks that don't like to do that. They like to make drinks, but they don't want to clean up after themselves or clean up after others. Um, and they realize that this isn't the right world for them, right? They're going to be great home bartenders. They're going to make amazing drinks at home. Um, and so I did, I did all that. I schlepped ice. I stacked and restacked boxes. I changed kegs. I, you know, all that physical stuff. And I was still kind of like, wow, this is really cool. Um, and that's how I knew that like, okay, th this is something that I can definitely do. And so when we have new folks start, um, the sooner we can show them that the drinks are a tool to deliver a great experience, but it is not, the drinks are not the end game. You need to learn them to be able to be functional at your job, but just knowing them alone does not make you a great bartender. Yeah. One of the big takeaways I've had from this entire conversation is that bartending in general is hospitality. The main mm -hmm. part of it, that is the experience, both for us, the customers and for you, the servers, the workers, is hospitality, creating the experience and mm -hmm. focusing on the experience, I think is, it feels like the best way for everyone to have the best time. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's something that, 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 that we always preach. Um, it's not something that I think everyone believes, but um, at least the, the crowd that we run around with, um, I think we're all aligned on that front. I, 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 I could definitely agree. I mean, I can't name, it's been, it's literally countless number of times I've gone to the Hawthorne. It's just been, I keep coming back because it was an addicting experience and I was, I got to spend it with you, Rob and the entire staff. And it was always such a good time. And, 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 and we liked, and, and it, it's such a self-fulfilling cycle, right? Because if you're able to create those experiences for the people and, 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 and they come back in, they already know a little bit about what the place is like, how it sort of operates, like what to order and, and, and what not to, right? How to engage with people. Um, and having people like that sitting on the other side of the bar, they're almost, in, in some sense, like an extension of your staff in some ways, right? Um, I mean, how many times have, have you engaged in conversation with people like sitting next to you? Right. No, it's it's true. I remember. Right. Like, I had and, a friend, and, and that happens all yeah. the time, and it's and it's and it's amazing because then we're not the ones telling. Like it's weird if we, the employees, are telling like someone who's brand new here, like, oh hey, uh, this place is awesome. By the way, like we make <laughs> we make we make amazing drinks, um, and we are the coolest cats, and we tell great stories, and we care about you. Right? They're gonna be like, what is your problem? Right, but if they <laughs> yeah. sit down at the bar and the guy sitting to their right is like, "Oh, this is your first time here. This place is incredible." Like the you know yada yada yada. Right, um, and and having those, it's like like they're like ambassadors for um, the the bar, and then that helps them create more support. Um, and so we see the importance of um, you know really driving those experiences right. And it makes it very easy when a lot of those people are super cool, right? 
No, really. I appreciate then, it. <laughs> well, but, but, but then, you know, if they become friends too, then, then we are genuinely happy to see them walk through the doors. Right. Cause we're like, Oh my God, this is so cool. Like, you know, we, we have some idea of what to expect too. Um, and that, that is really special. Um, so it is like this kind of cool, like two-way relationship. Yeah. I remember what, and then also I, since I knew obviously you and everyone at the Hawthorne, when I took my friend Dan out to, um, not, not the Dan, you know, but a different one, um, out to Eastern standard. And I was talking about classes at the Hawthorne Yeah. and the bartender was, cause he obviously knows you and everyone is like, just gave me a shaker. He's just like, show your friend how to do this. Like <laughs> you clearly know how to do it. I'm like, this is amazing. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's funny, you know? Um, and, and, and that's the, that's that community. Right. Um, and that, that's, that's a, that's a really, that, that is a really cool anecdote. I did not know about that. Yeah. It's, um, I remember I, it's funny if I've, I had talked about the Hawthorne so much that if the pandemic hadn't happened, like my thesis advisor was like, okay, your grad, like graduation dinner, like when yeah. I finished, he's like, well, I'll take, I'll pay everyone, bring them over to the Hawthorne. That's awesome. Like, yeah. Sorry. We couldn't oblige. It's not, it's not like we, you guys planned on it. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, that's certainly not how we wanted it to go. So, Yeah, that's fair. Well, it has been great talking to you, Jared. Thank you very much for joining us Likewise. tonight. Likewise. Yeah, thank you yeah. for having me. This I is mean, awesome. I feel like I, if Jordan doesn't cut it off, I feel like I would just sit here talking to you for like hours. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, it, it, it's, it's really interesting because, um, I, I mean, like, truthfully, I don't, have as much an opportunity to like reflect right on the last 10 years plus now yeah. um in, in terms of where where i've been and 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 how how my career is sort of transformed i definitely thought about it a lot when i was just starting out right in those big inflection points where i was making big decisions about it but now that i've kind of like been in it for so long um i i i don't really take the time to like, think about that. Right. So, um, you know, thank you for you know, like letting me put some of this stuff into words that I, I haven't really done in a long time. Um, and I think that, um, uh, it, it's, it's, it, it's really meaningful for me too. And hopefully it gave you, uh, you know, some of the insight that you were looking for also. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I feel like anytime I have a chance to talk to you and Rob or anyone, like, I feel like I've always come every experience is so much knowledge and like just totally different world experience that I, I am, I can't appreciate more. Like it's just so, so valuable. I really appreciate, really appreciate y'all having me. So thanks for thinking of me. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. I mean, you, <laughs> it was funny starting out. I was like, who can we ask? You know? And it's like, obviously you were, you were like, you and <laughs> it was like number one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. That's awesome. Now we, I mean, we all, we all appreciate what, what, what you guys brought, brought to the table time and time again. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, we look forward to the next opportunity to be able to actually share space, right. The same physical space again, whether that's at a bar or somewhere else, who knows. Yeah. Hoping to see you soon. Yeah. yeah. That. That's it for today's episode. If you enjoyed it, We'd really appreciate if you left us a review on your platform of choice. It's the best way to help us grow the show. Other than giving us a hug. Right, both. We really do love hugs. <laughs>